Today I want to talk about standing firm in challenging times. <laughs> I think there's somebody in the house who's going through some challenges. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Standing firm in challenging times. I think one of the things that we haven't done well, as I've said in the last services, is that maybe we haven't talked much about the context in which the gospel was written. When you read the book of Philippians, the book of Ephesians, the writings of Paul, even the one we're going to read in the book of Timothy, when all these letters were written by Paul, it was in a time when the church was going through a lot of problems, a lot of challenges. Even the individuals themselves, Paul in this instance, when he wrote this letter, things were not going too well in his life. And maybe what we haven't done well is to show people how we can still believe God even in challenging times. The challenging times should never move us away from our faith in God. And that in spite of challenging times, we can still do what God has called us to do. Can I hear an amen? amen. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. You may have a different translation. I'm reading from verse 1 to verse 7. It reads as follows. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, every one of us here has been chosen by God to play a certain role. Tell your neighbor you are chosen. Tell your other neighbor you've been chosen. Tell the other one who doesn't believe you, especially you, you have been chosen. <laughs> Whatever your role is, okay, sometimes we... We kind of look down upon ourselves and say, ah, now you know, I'm never in the newspapers. They never talk about me on television. Whatever your role is, you're chosen. I always make an example of the mother of Moses. And I, I call her the mother. I know her name, but I call her the mother of Moses because most people don't know the name of the mother of Moses, the Moses we read about in the Bible. Yeah. I can see you are quiet now because you don't want me to ask you. Okay. What, what was her name? Just a few people know Jacobeth. Jacobeth. We know Moses, but we don't know Jacobeth. But when you read the book of Hebrews, one of the very telling things in the way the text is written, it says, and when Moses was of a full age, he refused to identify with the people of the land where he was in bondage, but he chose rather to suffer with the people of God. When you decode it, you know that Moses knew who he was and he chose to identify with his people. What is it that brought this sense of identity in the life of this young man? Well, think about it. When Pharaoh's daughter adopted Moses, she didn't have someone to take care of the young man. And so Moses' sister, Miriam, suggested to her that, look, I know somebody who can take care of this baby, nurse him, help him grow. And what did she do? Miriam went out to go and get Moses' mother, Jochebed. You know, she, of course, the, 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 the princess didn't know that the lady who came to take care of the child was actually Moses' mother. And you can note the way Jochebed raised Moses. She made sure that this child knows who he is. And so when Moses came to a certain age, all the things that his mother had told him, 
the teachings that he had received from his mom came to him and he rose up to lead. But you know, there's not much said about Jochebed. All it said is she came, raised the boy. But I can tell you, if it wasn't because of her, we wouldn't have a Moses. Uh-huh. Yeah, all of us, we have a Jochebed somewhere in our lives. I think about my mother, the way my mother was so influential in me being in the ministry today. You know, she didn't tell me to be a pastor, but when I, when I got the call to become a pastor, there's a point where I got so discouraged, I didn't want to go on with it. And I remember my mother asked me one question, the only way mothers can ask a question. She asked me one question, and when I answered her question, I got my answer. And I thank God for her in my life today. Can I hear an amen? So I'm trying to say, everyone here is a leader. Everybody has a role to play. That God placed you on this earth, it means there is a purpose to your life. And so Paul says, Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I have been sent out to tell others about the life he had promised through faith in Christ Jesus. Now note verse 2. I'm writing to you, Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Verse 4, I long to see you, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice. So note how Timothy was influenced by his parents, his mom, his, his grandmother. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now note verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, we know that this book of Timothy was written by Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy. We are told that when he wrote this letter, he had been imprisoned for the second time under Emperor Nero. This is around 66 to 67 AD. He was imprisoned in a cold dungeon, chained there as a common criminal. In fact, when you read further, you find that his friends were looking for him. And they had a hard time finding out where he was kept. They knew his work. They knew his mission on earth. They knew that Paul was so busy with his mission, but he had said that his mission on earth hadn't yet come to an end. And so he writes this letter from this dungeon, from this prison to this young leader by the name of Timothy. And he's saying something to Timothy. Because Timothy, much as he was a gifted young man, very, very gifted and able, he was struggling with timidity. He was struggling with a spirit of fear. He was struggling with knowing how to navigate his leadership in a time of crisis. And so Paul is writing to him. And he's writing also because he was lonely. He had been deserted. There's a man by the name of Demas who used to be with Paul. But when Paul came to this period of trouble, Demas forsook him. So Paul is writing because he's feeling all alone. 
He feels like, here it is, that the people that I have helped all my life, when I'm going through crisis, they are not there to help me. Secondly, he's writing this letter, not only to Timothy, but to the church in Ephesus. Because the church in Ephesus was a very strong, powerful, and influential church. And Paul knew if things go wrong in this church, it will hinder the mission that we had of spreading the gospel to other parts of the world. Number three, he was also concerned about not only the church in Ephesus, but the church all around because there was great persecution under Nero. And he's admonishing Timothy in chapter 1 verse 4, number one, to persevere. Number two, in chapter 3 verse 14, he admonishes Timothy to keep on preaching. Number three, he says to him in chapter 4 verse 2, if necessary, suffer for what you do. And so this brings me to the title of my message today, where I want to talk about standing firm in challenging times. We need to still do what God has called us to do, even when times are not easy. We need to continue preaching the gospel if you are a preacher, teaching if you are a teacher, leading wherever you are leading, even if times are challenging. Can I hear an amen in the house? And Paul is writing this letter to this young man. He's giving this young man valuable advice. He says, Timothy, fulfill God's will for your life. Fulfill your destiny, even when times are hard. He says, Timothy, I want you as a leader to have passion, to have perseverance, and don't cave in to a spirit of fear. So you see, Timothy, I, I, I trace your, your spiritual journey. I see how you were brought up by a, group, a good grandmother, Louise. She raised you up very well. I see how you were raised by your mother, Eunice. I don't know why his father is not mentioned. Some Bible scholars postulate to say maybe he had an absentee father. Maybe he had one of those fathers who was never present. We don't know. And here he is, he's raised by women, the way you women are able to build up a nation and just support a nation. God bless you for that. And here's this young man raised in this home. And he reminds him, Timothy, you are gifted. And he says in 2 Timothy 1.6, fan into flame that gift. Don't hide it. Don't sit on it. Don't bury it. My vote. Fan it into flame. Make sure that you are the best leader there could be. I think the best gift we can give the world is to be the best of us that we can be in any role that we have. He says, fan into flame. Then he makes the point. He says, you know, your spiritual attitude in all this is that know that fear shouldn't imprison you because God has given you a certain attitude. It's an attitude of love, but it's also an attitude of power or an attitude of self-discipline. Even if you walk in love, you walk in power and you walk in self-discipline. Simply put, Paul is saying, to succeed in life, to fulfill your mission, Timothy, you don't only need to depend on your gifting. There's a certain frame of mind that you've got to have. There's a certain attitude with which you need to approach life. It's an attitude of discipline. It's an attitude of being focused. It's an attitude of being hardworking. It's an attitude of persevering. It's an attitude of bravery. You've got to have that attitude. So you need to have this 
courage and resolve in times of crisis. For you to fulfill your mission, you need courage, you need resolve, you need strength of character. Timothy needs a firmness of character and what one of the clubs call themselves an indomitable type of spirit. So for you to succeed in life, you really don't need to be a certain pedigree. You don't have to really be born in a rich family necessarily. You don't have to necessarily be known by the who's who's in life. You really don't have to come from a functional family. It could be that all your life people were telling you you are a nobody. But being told you are a nobody doesn't mean God made you a nobody. There is something on the inside of you that God has given you and you need to have passion, perseverance. And if you do that, Timothy, you will fulfill your mission. And so today I'm looking at many Timothys in the house. And I want to give you seven things to navigate your leadership or your gifting or your talent in challenging times. Seven things I want to talk about. Number one, refuse to have a negative spirit about you. Just refuse. Refuse. Exercise control over negative emotions. You see, a person who will make it through challenging times is one who never gives in to negative emotions. I we've been through a hard time, Bagit. This COVID... Like people call it many things. Others call it COVID. <laughs> Even Corona. Others say Corolla. This COVID Corolla. It's not been easy. And I can tell you, as many of you have come to that time, when you hear bad news and sad news about people dying, people passing, people losing their jobs, and this and that happening, companies closing and everything, it's easy to be negative. It's easy to have a negative spirit about you. You see, negative emotions include anxiety, fear, doubt. And as God's children, we need to ensure that we apply God's word over our lives. I'm not in any way suggesting that we don't deal with reality. Nor am I suggesting we don't get discouraged sometimes. I'm not suggesting that these emotions don't get to us, but we don't allow ourselves to cave under the weight of these emotions. We cannot afford to have a negative spirit. I'm not even saying we should feed people false hope. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there's a God in heaven. And this God in heaven is able to carry us even in times of difficulties. And so we need to deal with anxiety in our lives. In Philippians 4, 6, it says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer, and definite requests with thanksgiving continue to make your wants known to God. So the Bible says, instead of being anxious, bring what worries you to God. And when you come to God, don't tell him what you're worrying about. Tell him your request. In short, tell God what you want out of the situation. Yes, God, this is what is worrying me. Mara, this is what I'm asking you to do. Let your request be made known to God. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, as we have read, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. The Bible tells us in Mark 11.23 that we should have faith as a mustard seed and not doubt. 
The Bible also tells us in Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Then it says, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. You know, it's easy to be discouraged. It's very difficult to be, it's very, very easy to be discouraged. And Paul is telling Timothy, if you're going to make it as a leader, you need to make these decisions in your life. The second thing we need to navigate challenging times is we must have tenacity. Like somebody said, we must have bulldog tenacity. Hebrews 10.36, and very interesting, if you can read the book of Hebrews, Paul is writing to these Christians and he's saying to them, ever since you have believed in Christ, You've been experiencing one trial after another. And then he says, it's amazing that even when your goods were plundered, you took it joyfully. And then he says to them, in spite of what you have gone through, I ask you not to cast away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. Don't throw away what God wants you to do. In verse 36, it reads in the NIV, you need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. What is he saying? Paul is saying what God has promised doesn't just fall on your lap. Even if it's your promise, even if it comes from God, you've got to fight for it. See, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Now, that doesn't mean we must fight with other people. We don't fight with other people. But we fight with the powers of darkness. The King James Version says in that verse 36 of Hebrews 10, for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you, you might receive the promise. Now that word patience in the original language, this is what it means in the Greek. It means, number one, steadfastness. You need steadfastness. It means constancy. It means endurance. In fact, when that word is used in the New Testament, it speaks of the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and their loyalty to faith and piety even in the greatest trials and sufferings. In other words, even when this person is going through the greatest trial, even in times when you feel like God is not there, even in, on days when you feel like God's not listening to your prayers. Even in times when you are not even sure if God exists. You still believe him anyhow. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Says you have need of steadfastness, constancy, endurance. He said if you have steadfastness, constancy, endurance, you will receive the promise. See, the promise is yours. But the promise is waiting for endurance and constancy. The promise belongs to you. But you are not going to get what God has promised if you don't have endurance and constancy. Now, this is very important. When you think about Job, you'll know that Job is a great example of patience. In fact, James 5.11 says, as you know, we must count ourselves as blessed if we have persevered. He says, you have heard of Job's perseverance and you have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. 
Now here's the question. How do we develop this bulldog tenacity? How do we do it? Well, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, in the Amplified Bible it reads, And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint, acting nobly and doing what is right. For in due time and at the appointed season we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and our faith. See, the only way to have constancy is to keep on doing what you are supposed to be doing. Keep on praying, keep on preaching, keep on studying, keep on working, keep on doing what is right. Because like I said last week, life operates in cycles. And oftentimes, you may find that on the cycle of life, you are in the seed sowing season. I mean, right now, you know, it's, it's seed sowing time in our country. September. Farmers, we pray that rain will be there. Farmers will be planting seeds. It wouldn't be very helpful for a farmer to plant seeds now and wait there and say, my efforts have been null and void because I'm born in X. That wouldn't make sense. That really wouldn't make sense because the reality is that you are in that period in the cycle where you have to be planting seeds. But there's coming a time somewhere around March, April, when what the farmer did now in October is going to show up back then in March. See, some of you right now, you, you are wondering, it, it looks like nothing is happening in the life. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's not that nothing is happening. Something is happening. The only difference is you can't see it with your naked eye. See, when, when a farmer sows seed, they don't go and dig up the seed and look under the ground if anything is happening. No, you just sow the seed and you leave it there. Because the farmer knows that the seed has power locked up inside of it to grow. If you put the seed in the right environment and you do everything that's right, the seed will grow on its own. I'm here to tell you, your seed of prayer will grow in the name of Jesus. Your seed of faith will grow in the name of Jesus. Sometimes in our homes, you know, you do all the right things for your children. You teach them everything that's right, but things don't work out. But I'm here to tell you that the seed will grow. And the Bible says, if you faint not. See, people get tired of doing what's right. And we start talking negatively. We stop doing the right things. We stop praying. Stop reading the Bible. We stop believing God. We stop going to church. We stop doing all these things. Because we are making an assumption that our efforts are in vain. Look at your neighbor and say, don't get tired, neighbor. Don't get tired. Don't get tired. Number three. In challenging times, we need a disciplined mind renewed by the word of God. If you are going to navigate challenging times, we said you must have an indomitable spirit. This means that you shouldn't allow yourself to dwell on the foolishness of negative thinking. Now, I know I said it in a harsh way, but that's what it is. So, first of all, discipline in your mind means you must intentionally be selective about the thinking that dominates your life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so it he. Which means a person is what they think. And what you think is what you will finally act on. Therefore, we must intentionally fill our minds 
with God's thoughts. And when we fill our minds with God's thoughts, then we will move forward. There's somebody who's a motivational speaker by the name of Zig Ziglar. And this is what he says in one of his books, and I quote. He says, the best way to get people out of trouble is to get them out of their stinking thinking. The best way to get rid of stinking thinking is with a continual dose of God's word. Philippians 4 verse 8 and 9 in the Message Bible says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll, you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, things that are noble, things that are reputable, things that are authentic, things that are compelling, things that are gracious. I tell you, social media doesn't help us much these days. You see people being body shamed, all kinds of comments being made. If you, you fill your mind with that, and if that's the only diet that you have for the day, you're in big trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, why you not say amen? Is he talking about you? Is the man over there talking about you? Why are you not saying anything? I continue reading. He says, the best, not the worst. He says, fill your minds with the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. See, our world is on a negative trend. I mean, it, it's, it's got a natural default mechanism of going towards negativity. You know, in our world, the world is just negative. So it takes a lot of effort to stay positive. Uh, uh. I mean, there's a lot of bad news around. Lots. So you need to be intentional about what you fill your mind with. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? See, the question that needs to be asked and answered is what kind of a thinker are you? Hmm. Are you a positive or a negative thinker? Are you a broke or a surplus thinker? Are you an in-depth or debt-free thinker? Are you a possibility thinker or an impossibility thinker? The second mental discipline for us is to discipline what we say. In Proverbs 23, 16, David says, yes, my heart will rejoice when your lips speak the right things. Oftentimes we use negative, self-defeating words to express doubt, fear, and anxiety. And so the question is, how do you speak? Because what you are thinking and what you are speaking determines where you are living. In Romans 4, 17, it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which are not as though they are. In short, the things that we say end up becoming a reality. But what we say is influenced by what we think about. What you think about, you speak about. And what you speak about, you bring about. The third mental discipline is how to apply the God's words that you have thought of and spoken of. In other words, apply the words of God over your life. Proverbs 23, 12 says, apply your heart unto instruction 
and your ears to the words of knowledge. What does it mean? It's important to think right and to speak right words. It's important because when you do this, it develops strong character qualities based on what we do. It's, it's, it strikes me oftentimes when you meet people anywhere in the world, doesn't matter what their background is. I mean, uh, I mean, even during this lockdown time, right here in our country, there's many young people who have done amazing things, started businesses. I mean, they're doing well. And, I, you know, you hear them all the time on television, on radio, or, you know, or on or any, you know, online radio, anywhere, you know, you see them on YouTube. And when you listen to their story, you may think these people come from the same school. Serious. Any kind, it doesn't matter where they are. All of them, when they start talking, they say, you know, this is what I planned. This is what I told myself. This is what I set out to do. And, and it's like they had a plan. It's like they, they went positive. They said, even if I failed, I got up. And, and even if it was difficult, I pushed on. Even if people left me, I still, hey. It looks like these people did something that the other people didn't do. In the same place, in the same country, in the same area, in the same country. This one is succeeding, the other one is not. Why? Because there are certain disciplines that people who succeed have inculcated in their lives. Now it is true by Jesus, because of our background of oppression, it is a fact. Because of the reality of our country, where we come from historically, being a formerly disadvantaged people is going to take us a long time to get to certain places. Mara, get there, we will get there. Like reach almost away to one day is one day. The reality is this, Basalana, let's talk about it. When it comes to the direction of the world, let's be honest, ne? nobody cares. Here we are, we see with the vaccine, Basalana, Kimona, eh? richer countries, Kimona, they have kind of Richer countries have kind of hoarded the vaccine. They have bought more than they need. Are you on children? No. Let's think about our brothers who are in developing countries, poorer countries. So when it comes to the world and the ways of the world, the world puts itself as number one. So you can't afford to leave your destiny to the welfare of other people. You have to do something. You have to do something, no matter how small. You may not get to certain levels. You may not get to certain heights. Mara, at least even entry level, get there, you will get there. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Hallelujah. Number four, we need to have the attitude of tenacity as demonstrated when we square up with the reality that our journey is characterized and accompanied by challenges. But in the face of these challenges, we are moving into our destiny, knowing fully well that God is with us. God is with us. I tell you, that's the biggest difference. God is with us. Note 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, as I close. Listen to what Paul is saying. Paul says, we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but we are not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassment and we are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but we are not driven to despair. 
We are pursued, persecuted, and hard driven, but we are not deserted. We do not stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but we are never struck out and we are never destroyed. I love it in the, in the message Bible. This is how it reads. It says, as it, as it is, there's not much of a chance of that. You know for yourselves that we are not much to look at. Look at your neighbor and say, <clears throat> I won't say anything. We are not much to look at. <laughs> it says, we've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we are not demoralized. We are not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. Oh, we've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We have been thrown down, but we haven't broken. So, Basalana, note in challenging times, remember that God is with you. Remember that God is on your side. Remember that you are going to make it when you depend on God. When difficult times come, God doesn't turn his back on us and walk away from us. He is with us. When we go through the valley of the shadow of death, God goes into the valley of the shadow of death. When we are thrown in the lion's den, God gets into the lion's den. When we are thrown into the water, God gets into the water because that's the kind of God he is and you know why is it that we're going to come out on the other side is because God said I will never leave you and I will never forsake you I will be with you until the end of the world that's what gives us the confidence you know why we have the confidence to face challenging times because we know they will not break us because greater is he that is in us Greater is the God that's on our side. Greater is the God that's helping us. Bring it on. We're going to come out on the other side in Jesus' name. And we're able to face challenging times because God is on our side. Can I hear a good amen in the house? God is on our side. We are hard pressed on every side, but we are not breaking. No, don't be confused by our tears. It's not tears of discouragement. No, don't jump to conclusions because I was discouraged today. I'm going to get up. Don't be confused because I didn't have an answer and I don't know what's going on. I know there's a God in heaven who's aware of me. I know there's a God in heaven who's going to lift me up. I know there's a God in heaven who is there in support of us. And so you can face challenging times. Because you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to walk alone. God is with you. God is with you. Give him a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet, everybody. Will you raise your hands and just thank God for his word today? Father, we thank you for your word today. Your word is a lamp to our feet. Your word is a light on our path. We walk in the fullness of your word, oh God. Thank you to know that we can go through challenging times and we will not give up. We will not throw in the towel because you as God, you are with us in Jesus' name. For those of you who are watching on television, I want you to know whatever it is that you're going through, God is aware of you. God is aware of you. I ask you, we've got people who can counsel with you
and pray with you on the numbers on the screen. You can just give them a call. Yes, times can be hard. Times can be challenging. But God doesn't forsake us. God doesn't leave us. Bring your life to God, no matter how broken it may seem. No matter how many wounds you carry. No matter how many questions you have in your mind. God knows everything about you. In these challenging times, God will help you. Can we all bow our heads, please? Close our eyes. I want to make a call as well. You may be here. You may be streaming. You might be watching on television. But as you've been listening to God's word, you say, you know what? My life, oh God, my life, my life is not where it should be. Maybe it is that you walked away from God for whatever reason. You may have walked away from God and gotten discouraged and thought, what's the use? What's the use? And today, as you've been listening to God's word, you realize that God is the only one who can help you. Jesus Christ is the only one who can change and transform your life. And you need prayer. Say, you know what? Please, can you pray for me? Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Right where you are. If you need prayer, just raise your hand right where you are. Right where you are. Just raise it up so that we can pray with you. Just raise it way high. Thank you for those hands. God bless you. Yeah, just keep it raised. Keep it raised. I'm going to ask the counselors and the ushers just to come close to you, please, right where you are. Because of the protocols, we, we need to observe certain protocols. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Let me pray for the people who have raised their hands. And those of you watching on television, you can call in or you can make contact with us whichever way. But join me in the prayer. Let us pray, congregation. Join me today as we pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for coming into my heart and for making me your child. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.